and I, I should have some kind of name for this, you know. And and I did think initially of Weird Al. Yeah. So, but I kept thinking, what's a Mormon version of that? Weird Helaman, <laughs> you know. Weird. Like I went, to, I went to almost every other place, right? Yeah. Weird Zechariah. I don't know. <laughs> and and I'm I'm not kidding. But by the way, I went to Wikipedia and looked up names in the Book of Mormon that start and, with A L. <laughs> well, and, and and I didn't have to go any farther than A. Yeah. Before I slapped my forehead really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was just like, oh, there it is. You know. Yeah. But I'm serious. I didn't think of that initially. I felt so dumb. So dumb. And the ideas were coming. You know, I don't know. I think I, I did 25, 30 songs in a year or two or something. You know. And I remember towards the end of that realizing, oh, I I needed to get this out because a lot had to do with I hadn't talked to anybody about a lot of the specific stuff and I, and I, I, I realized at a certain point it had to come out and for me how's it going to come out well music and probably some comedy comedy well you wrote something that really caught my attention I spent a lot of time growing up and well into recent adulthood plagued by low self-esteem and also very self-conscious about the way I looked never happy with my teeth or hair, or head shape, or facial expression. Now I wish I'd been more concerned about the way I thought. I could have spent a lot more time smiling. And I love that, Eric. Talk to me about that. What 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 made you what made you put that up there on Facebook that that's what you wanted to share with people and and, and what's that journey been like for you of like learning how to love yourself love yourself? This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone all right welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 727 the life and times of Weird Alma, a.k.a. Eric Herman. Now, first of all, Eric, I'm really sorry that this has taken me so long to edit and publish. Now, we recorded this back in the end of January, and it's just been sitting for months. But it's so good. It was so fun to go in and edit today and put in all the songs because Eric is a really talented guy who has written some really amazing parody songs like this one. We will keep on bringing cookies to your house until your bosom feels the burn. And this one. You're several months shy of 15. You're dutiful. And this one. Those mommy scrolls, they turned out to be just a funerary text. And this one. Don't spank your monkey or polish your knob. And this one. If you point out something's bad, then they'll say you must be mad. They'll attack your real intent while dismissing what you meant. It's gaslighting. And I'm going to share a few of my songs with you as well. 
So it's going to be a very musical episode today. I hope you enjoy it, because it's going to start right now. I, you know, before we get started, too, as I was going to ask, because I love the, you know, the, I've, some of the songs I've heard from you, that, that's you at the beginning of the show now, right? Down, down, let me down, 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 down. last what? song. After thing. your faith has you. let you down, that's, it. that's what it yes. is. No, that's that's the Broken Bells. Oh man, that's, I swear that's that was you. Uh, okay. Oh cool. Well, thanks. I'll take it. No, it that's that's James like Mercer. Oh, all right. Well, uh, again, before you ask, like, I mean, we could talk about because you're a, you're a parody artist yourself of of, mm. of of great renown. You know, talk <laughs> about the craft of that, or you know, I do feel a kinship a little to, bit. You know, right? like yeah, as I sure. listen to your stuff, I'm like, yeah, we're kind of cut from the same cloth in some of these things. <laughs> I, but you've you've done you've done such a good job, and and so we're gonna we're gonna cover some of these. Okay, songs yeah. and we're going to talk about some of the things that you did you, and you called yourself weird alma why don't why which don't was we... totally an accident by the way really how was it an accident it, it's it, it i'm i'm going to embarrass myself by telling this story all right so i had i had done a few of the weird alma songs you know and at a certain point i said okay i got six or seven of them i'll put them together on an album uh, put it on soundcloud or Bandcamp or something and I, I should have some kind of name for this, you know, and, and I did think initially of Weird Al. Yeah. So but I kept thinking, what's a Mormon version of that weird Helaman? <laughs> you know, weird. Like I went to, I went to almost every other place. Right. Yeah. Weird Zechariah. I don't know. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm not kidding, by the way. I went to Wikipedia and looked up names in the Book of Mormon. That start and, with A-L. <laughs> well, and, and, and I didn't have to go any farther than A Yeah. before I slapped my forehead really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is like, oh, there it is. You know? Yeah. Uh, but I'm serious. I didn't think of that initially. I felt so dumb. Yeah. Uh, you know. So, so give just for listeners who aren't familiar with you um and, and i know we we had you on infant sound thrones once before was it maybe three or four years ago it's a while yeah, ago right at, right at the beginning of of the weird alma phenomenon yeah. <laughs> and 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 i think tom interviewed you was it tom and randy yeah yeah okay that's fine. Yeah. yeah and uh yeah so you've been on infant sound thrones before and, and we've used your music before some of your parody songs and so um just just real quick what's your story of being a mormon and not being a mormon <laughs> or or yeah. being, a, being a different kind of mormon or, or however well, it is that, that you see it you just said the quick version yeah i was a mormon now i'm not so there, there yeah you go. Uh, the the extended version is much longer but uh broadly speaking i i joined the church at age 20 from uh, missionaries knocking on my door and uh, they opened the door and I said, Oh, I was hoping to talk to you guys at some point, which happens all the time. Right. Uh, and uh, that, you know, that's leading, where the weird part of weird Alma came uh, from. Yeah. <laughs> leading, you know, there, there was, there was some stuff that happened before that, that yeah. led to me being in yeah. that place. Uh, uh, the short version is I had seen uh, church, uh, commercials on tv they used mm. to be on the cable channels all the time right some treacly family message right uh, yeah. but at the end i saw church of jesus christ of latter-day saints hmm. and i had been i sort of had this weird uh pseudo 
hipster Christian stoner rock guitar player persona for several years as a teenager, right? Uh, and I, I, I didn't want to join any church in particular, but uh, something about Jesus appealed to me. Uh, had a lot to do with listening to Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm. No, no lie. Yeah, I, I know. I know the Mormon Church denounced that, but I would not have been a Mormon had it had I not loved that show mm. so much. Yeah. Um, and I had also been into prophecy. You know, uh, the late great planet Earth, mm. uh, Hal Lindsey. Uh, the plain truth, Herbert Armstrong. I was I was reading all that stuff, and I thought, "Ooh, I think these are the end times." You know, I was fascinated by by prophecy and, and all that stuff. So, what caught my attention was the word "Latter Day," mm. and in the uh, in those commercials, and seeing that made me think, "Oh, they they're into Jesus. They believe these are the latter days." Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to them if they ever ring my doorbell, which yeah. they did some time later. <laughs> so, 20 years old, you joined the church, and wh- when did you start questioning, and and how, like, why yeah. did you start questioning? Okay, so fast forward to uh, 2013, 14, something like that. I mean, I, I had questions all along, you know, it probably once the internet hit in the late nineties, uh, I stepped away from the church for about five years, uh, due to substances, Mm. uh, but, uh, came back to it. And at that point, Oh, Hey, there's this internet thing now. And I, I, more as interest of learning more about the church, I was really into it from an Indiana Jones kind of point of view, you know, this, Oh, finding artifacts and these ancient, we have that in common Stories. too. I always liked that part yeah. of the church. Yeah. And to me, and that like was the, fascinating. Dan, the Dan Brown, like I'm going to try yes, and find the yes. secret, the, like, <laughs> and I'm in the temple and like, Oh, so this means that. And that means this. And most people don't know, it, but I've got it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. you, you put the symbols together your own way. And, that, yeah. and that's a fascinating thing about any religion really, or any scriptures is that a lot of times they're written vaguely enough that you can attach meanings to them all over the place if you want. And um, so, you know, it, it was really more looking for more knowledge, you know, a thirst Mm -hmm. for, for knowledge and deeper uh, doctrine that Mm -hmm. led me to be searching on the internet for various things relating to Mormonism. And guess what? The internet was full of all kinds of things about Mormonism. Yeah. A lot of which I hadn't really heard of before the issues with the book of Abraham yeah. You know, we're already pretty hot in the late 90s. Uh, a lot of things, you know, that well, the racism, all, the, all of that stuff. I mean, I, I had I had known about the 1978 thing, but there was all the pat answers that you get yeah. that, um, uh, you know, and, and polygamy, the same kind of thing. Oh, it's only it was only a few people. It was for the widows, you know, all of that yeah. stuff. And you, you never heard about the real stories. Right. So and, and uh, where, where were you, by the way? I was in, I lived uh, until 2004 in Buffalo, New York, which was very close to Palmyra. Yeah. An hour and a half, which was another one of those things that really appealed to me at the time when the the missionaries knocked on my door and I said, Hey, come on in. And they told me about this 14 year old kid who talked to God and God answered him. That was, Mm -hmm. that was super, super appealing to me. Yeah. And, and, Oh, this whole thing happened you know, a drive away, an hour and a half drive away. 
And then, uh, you know, a couple months later, we went to the, the Hill Kimura pageant. Yeah. And that was, you know, a fascinating experience to me at the time. Yeah. That was actually the first time, real first time I was confronted with anything Mm. anti-Mormon, you know, people handing out flyers. Uh, And I remember I went with my missionary friends, uh, the guys, one of the guys who baptized me and I'm still friends with, you may even know him. I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, he's, he's out now too. He he left long before I did. Uh, We're still in touch, but he, I remember most people, would say no no i don't hand me that i don't want it or they take it and crumble it up and throw it in the garbage can and i took the thing and i said oh what is this and to his credit uh my missionary friend who was you know a faithful missionary at the time said all right you know what let's look at this and we sat there and we went through the things you know and well and and so that was the beginning of do you remember what was on there Oh, not specifically, not okay. really, but you know, it would have been some of the, the typical stuff. Uh, and, and actually some of it, I would still, uh, f- have defenses against, Sure, you know, so, yeah. some of the Christian things like there can be no more revelation because of, of, uh, you know, don't add to scripture. Well, what right. about when they said that in Deuteronomy, you know, all that stuff. Sure. So that was the beginning of me becoming an amateur apologist in a way. Yeah. You know, and finding uh, finding strength in my faith by being able to answer things, and and getting this uh, sense of I know this is true, so therefore nothing can <laughs> nothing can uh, hurt me or hurt my faith, hurt my testimony. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then then we fast forward to you you find stuff on the internet and things do start hurting your faith and your testimony, but you're kind of doing it to yourself as, as you're going, wait a minute, this book of Abraham thing, the, the, the race and the priesthood thing, gender inequality, and it started weighing on you. And, and did you start doing your parodies around that time? Was that part of your process? No, uh, no? that was all after I left. Okay. Right? And um, so fast forwarding, I'll try to simplify here is, you know, What I found for a lot of the years that I was a faithful member, I was still seeking out the doctrine and looking for, for information. And when I found critical things, I found that I would get a little bit nervous, but then I'd always, uh, is there an answer for that? And I'd look up farms or or, uh, Jeff Lindsay or, Mm -hmm. and, and as long as they had some vague answer for it, okay, I'm okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't. And the, the thing is, honestly, when I, I wouldn't read either thing completely. Yeah. I'd read a little bit of the critical thing, get a funny feeling, go over to see if uh, Jeff Lindsay had some. Oh, OK. He covered that. All right. Read a little bit. OK, that's fine. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and along with that, I would develop my own answers or, or I had this uh, collection of individual uh, answers in air quotes to all of these 473 things. Right. And what I came to feel like eventually is that I, you can compartmentalize things individually, but as soon as you start to pull back, you see that there's, it's just a big, big mess, you know, and that mm. started to weigh on me. But for me, it all went backwards. Like it started with the book of Abraham Right. And I just, you know, the more I read about it, the more I tried to, to stick to certain answers, 
about, oh, there might be an extra scroll, you know, you know, we don't have to go into all that stuff. But the more I found, there really just isn't a good answer for that. Yeah. But my solution was to say, well, maybe things went off. Maybe he was wrong about that. Maybe things went off the rail at a certain point. Uh, you know, polygamy there, that you could look at all of that stuff in the later years. Oh, maybe that's why the Lord finally allowed him to be killed. You know, yeah. there's all these things that you justify, but I could still uh, go back and hold on to the book of Mormon, you know? So all the later stuff started to fall away. And then maybe the last year, year and a half that I was still in, I still had faith in the book of Mormon until I just completely didn't because I hadn't ever looked at that honestly in the same way I had been looking at the later stuff. Yeah. And I, and I know like when I reached out to you to do this interview, you said, I want to read bathing with God first and I want to complete that. And so now you've completed it. So I'm assuming that now you have found the book of truth that you've always been looking for. Yes. I'm ready to evangelize. You're right. You're ready. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this to any listeners out there that, you know, I don't know Glenn very well. We've talked a couple of times now via this podcast. I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt or whatever it is, but I really, <laughs> really, uh, very honestly love that book. Oh, really? Thank you. And, uh, and it's, it's, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to, I can use comparisons. I, I think I told someone it's, uh, it's kind of like if, if, um, uh, Ram Das combined <laughs> with, um, I don't know. It's, you know, it's a mixture of the Yuval Harari. Like that, it's, there, there's a lot of these ideas that you put together in a, in a very clever and, and, uh, and uh, entertaining way. Good. Well, thank you. And, and that I related to very much too. Cause oh, I, yeah. I think in the, over the last couple of years uh, I've moved to some of that in some of that direction, met, metaphysical spirituality and, and yeah. such. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, you wrote something that really caught my attention, and and th- this was on January 1st on Facebook. This was your Facebook post, and you said, I spent a lot of time growing up and well into recent adulthood plagued by low self-esteem and also very self-conscious about the way I looked, never happy with my teeth or hair or head shape or facial expression. Now I wish I'd been more concerned about the way I thought. I could have spent a lot more time smiling. And I love that, Eric. Mm. The irony of this post is how much time I spent messing with filters to change the way I look in pictures. But the difference is I was having fun with that and not trying to fix something. Happy 2021, friends. Be kind to everyone and don't forget to be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. What, 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 made you, what made you put that up there on Facebook, that that's what you wanted to share with people? And, and, and what's that journey been like for you of like learning how to love yourself yeah i you know i i I don't know why i put it you know it's different things at different times uh i feel like okay i I feel impressed to say this or share this um and uh it's one of those things i know a lot of people struggle with and um and and i guess at a certain point just realizing realizing the 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 waste of time in my life that I put into that kind of energy of, mm. of worrying about things. And, you know, I, I, I'm a reasonable looking guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I've been successful in different ways, but I've, I've, I've rarely felt satisfied. 
mm. or or happy or or and and always concerned about things and and it's just I don't know where it comes from honestly that's the other big question I know other people responded to that and said oh I feel exactly the same way uh, I had this happen when I was a child or this and that and I said you know it, it's funny because I my parents were very generous in praise and and at my I don't know. It doesn't come from a place that it, it seems to often come for other people. Um, uh, but it's nonetheless, it's there and it's yeah. always been there. And I've always felt like, and there's the part of me that, that I think compensates. I try to, I want to do more something and, and I try too hard. Uh, that's one thing I see in myself too. Uh, and I see it in my music, in, in the things that I say and I do, uh, where I'm, uh, and it's just kind of a, an attention thing. You know, there, there, there's half of it is I, I don't feel good enough. And half of it is is the ego of saying, I, I should feel good enough because look at this, right? Yeah. You know, I know it drives a lot of artists, you know, the Beatles said we have the biggest egos of anybody. That's how we got to be who we are. And, and uh, so there's this balance of having super low self-esteem about a lot of things and also trying to overdo yeah. things to be seen in a positive way. You know? Yeah. Uh, tell yeah. me, tell me more about like your relationship to your thoughts. Like you, you, said you that you wished you would have spent more time focusing on your own mind and yeah, the way that you yeah. think like how did how did you come to that insight and what what does that mean for you now uh, i should mention also that the it, by posting that when i did it's a reflection that i in a lot of ways i feel like i've moved past that mm. and it, over the last couple of years right it's still there like sure. it, it's still something you know a concern but i i i do feel in a healthier place to be able to share that yeah. and, and to re as a realization, like, Oh, you know, we have such a, a precious little time here uh, as, as specks on a speck in a solar system in a universe that could be one of billion universes, you know, yeah. what are we doing with this time? And, and uh, the concerns that we have, uh, they're, they're so personal. They feel so personal to us, but they, they also get in the way of us being able to just be who we are and, and create the best that we can and, and just offer something to the, to the, to the world, to the, to life. Yeah. All right. You're, you're talking about like these thoughts of self-doubt, anxiety. Yeah. Sort of uh, yeah. worry. And what do people think? And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very self-conscious kind of feelings that I've yeah. had for many, many years. And, and it's, I, I think, again, I'm, I'm able to hide it fairly well. You know, I go out and, and go to a party or, you know, meet people and I, I can be sociable and all that. And I love to be with people, but it, it also, there's also this inner dialogue. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things that I think you realize, uh, my sweetheart is a middle school teacher. Right. And, and I just, I, she, she reminds me of what a terrible time that was when you mm. thought you were just so different and so uh, distressed and, and had all these issues. And, and then at a certain point you realize, Oh, just about every other kid had that too. Right. The problem is, is we take a lot of that with into us, with us into adulthood too. And, and, uh, 
you know, I took it with me for many, many years. I, I had, uh, you know, success with the music that I do. I, I do music for kids, right? Uh, Eric Herman. But also a lot of that, I, I couldn't enjoy it, I think, the way I should have. I look at some pictures that I took for albums or promotion, and I'm barely smiling, mm. uh, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to hide trying to hide my teeth, teeth mm. that I never got fixed because, mm. you know, yeah. and uh, just things like that, you know, where here I, I was, I'm, presenting this, this, uh, character, this fun music, this, this, uh, you know, creative thing to the world, to kids who don't care about that for one thing. Right. And, uh, you know, but, uh, and I, and I, you know, it's just something I can look back on and see where, uh, I spent so much time, uh, worried about things. A friend of mine once said, worry is a waste of emotion. And I always love that because, you know, there's a time for all that all things happen a time in the future when something might or might not happen. There's a time when someone might feel critical about something you do, but if you don't even know that, or if you don't know if that thing is going to happen at some point in the future, why spend the extra time now? stressing about that or thinking about that right yeah it's so hard not to right but yeah. um you know and, and that's the thing I, I don't even know how specifically i've moved past that but i, I feel like i have like it, yeah. a lot of it is just replacing i think sam harris said your mind is the thing that you live with 24 7 you know yeah, live, your life live with in through yeah. yes <laughs> it's, it's a it, it is your life <laughs> yeah so, you know, your body changes, the, the people that you interact with change, the, the environment changes, your job changes, but your mind is the thing that you've always had. So what are you, what's going on in there, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. a lot of it is, uh, is uh, just reframing things, recontextualizing things. And there's a kind of an irony I feel in the last few years where being essentially an atheist, although, you know, reading your book, I, I, I I'm thinking there, you know, thinking differently, about, really you know, how, how to, how to, uh, how to describe that or define that, I suppose. Um, because oh, I, well, no, cause I relate, you know, there is, uh, I, I love the, uh, I'm, I'm going to have a difficult time saying specific things because I've crammed your book in over the last week. Sure. I was hoping that. So, um, but God is doing like, it's what's happening. Is something, am I remembering that correct? I don't know. I don't, well, I don't you wrote it. I said, yeah, you I don't know, remember every word I of your book. I don't remember every word of it. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the later chapters it's in yeah. there is that, you know, we are part of what God is doing. And, and, you know, you don't define God as any kind of uh, mystical uh, bearded person. Right. But, you know, you can define life, whatever that is on a, on the macroist of macro levels yeah, and uh, say that, you know, we're part of that. We are, even though we're a tiny, tiny part of it, we're part of what's happening there. Yeah. And, uh, and realizing that everything is so temporary, 
uh, and that at some point this version of Eric or whatever this is will be no more. Right. Will be you know, it, it's almost in a sense a, a relief because uh, okay, whatever thing what whatever things I might worry about, they're not going to matter. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah, blues traveler, it won't mean a thing in a hundred years, right? Yeah. And um, my, so, my, oh, go ahead. Let me finish your thought. So. As the more I, I, I am somewhat, I guess, nihilistic, hmm. the more optimistic it makes me about the present. Like, you know, it doesn't matter that, that much. And I don't mean to say that dismissively, like nothing matters. Right. No, it's, it just means that I can, I can do the things I do and not worry too much about, um, you know, what people are thinking or if there's some uh, important meaning or legacy attached yeah. to it or something. Yeah, I, I like that. And I like that you focused on worry. And it, and it sounds to me like you recognize that w when you when you worry about things, it has an impact on how you feel. And, you know, my, my sweetheart, who I live with, um, her name is Cammie. And one mm -hmm. of her favorite movies is Eat, Pray, Love. And we watch that every once in a while. Have you seen it? Uh, I have not. No. It, so it's, it's Julia Roberts and she's portraying Elizabeth Mitchell, who's an author. Mm -hmm. And it's a really cool story, uh, just like of self-discovery, the way that she just kind of is, is really dissatisfied with her life. She leaves everything behind. She goes and she travels the world and she just goes through these series of really difficult changes. But, and it's a cool, it's cool to watch her transformation. And at one point, she comes across this guy who uh, they're like at some kind of meditation retreat or something like that. And he says something to her, like she needs to learn how to choose her thoughts the way you would choose your clothing. And <laughs> love that line. I love that line. And, and I, I think that line kind of expressed itself in bathing with God as like the way that you would choose from a Chinese buffet or something like that, you know, like when, when you've got all these options in front of you, cause that that's my experience with it. When I would go to a Chinese buffet and I'm like, there's this sesame chicken that is just delicious, but I feel like <laughs> shit after eating it, but I would just eat and eat and eat and eat. Mm. And you have these, these thought patterns that we do all the time, whether we're beating ourselves up because we don't like the way that our teeth look or we're worrying about how things are going to go in the future or worrying that we did this thing in the past. I think there's some utility to worry, but I, you know, like at some point I agree with your friend, it could just become a waste of time and really um, you know, like we're creating this sense about the world in our heads, in our minds, you know, that mm. we're always living in and through. So yeah, I, I, I really resonated with that when, when you posted that on Facebook and, and it made me think, ah, you know, I, I want to reach out to Eric. And I, I think you also had, and I don't remember if you contacted me or if I contacted you, but after that interview recently that I did with Jake, um, you mm -hmm. said, yeah, there were some things, uh, you know, the way that Jake expressed some regret over brother Jake stuff and infants on throne stuff. And the way that I've expressed some, you know, like, yeah, that was kind of immature and infantile, <laughs> Ayo, you know, of course. Um, and you, and you kind of feel some of this, the same way about uh, some of your weird Alma songs. So I, I asked you if you'd give me some weird Alma songs and we could talk about them. So you gave me a list of like your best, best hits or. Well, just my, my personal favorite, personal favorites. You know, but... Yeah. And then, you know, conversely to what you're talking about, you know, we could 
I didn't mention this, but we can some of the ones that I'm like, eh, I don't know, maybe that maybe I could. have <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe we'll do that up in a follow up episode. Sure. But this this one, I think this this will give us plenty to talk about here because okay. you, you gave me about five or six songs. And then are you going to record or you do and perform one live for us here? Or? I can. Yeah, I have yeah. actually the, a new one, a, like a debut, semi new song. Very cool. I wrote most of it two years ago and I never finished it, but I, yeah. Yeah, I you know. Awesome. Okay. I'm excited. So, so the first one um, is a song called you'll be back. And you said that you're somewhat critical about it in retrospect, but it was essentially the first weird Alma song and the favorite of many. You say the church isn't true and you're planning on leaving today. You'll cry in your tea and your coffee while we watch you wither away. You'll be sad with hours and hours every Sunday and nothing to do. It will drive you mad with 10% more of your income burdening you. You'll be back, wait and see. You will miss the pure misogyny You'll be back one of these days And you'll help us keep on bashing gays Temples rise, and the growth rate falls But we'll keep on building swanky malls And if you just won't return We will keep on bringing cookies to your house until your bosom feels the burn da 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 you say your doctrine's hateful and you can't Should just be grateful God's on our side And we can't change the doctrine Cause it's eternal doctrine But when we change the doctrine We'll say that it's the doctrine Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever You'll be back, it'll be great And you'll help us buy more real estate You'll be back, just the same With an asterisk beside your name You'll have doubts and you'll have fears We don't care as long as your check clears and if you can't be cajoled We will tell your friends and family To avoid you till you come back to the fold Da-da-da-da-da Da-da-da-da-da-da Da-da-da-da-da-da Da-da-da-da-da Da-da-da-da-da-da Everybody! I mean, 
really, where will you go? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a parody of this, the Hamilton song. I think that that alone, a lot of people just, oh, you know, resonated to that. Jake had actually done something a little to that, I think, too. But uh, and this came, I left the church uh, officially in September of 2016. I had mentally finished in May of that year when it all kind of just fell apart. Um, and uh, which was very matter of fact at that time, I remember walking down the street with my dog and I just suddenly had this thought, Oh, I guess it's just not true. Okay. Mm. <laughs> you know, And it sounds very, very matter of fact, but the, you know, obviously a ton of stuff led up to that. Uh, that was painful and, and felt like lost. And after that point too, but, um, but I, I hung around for a month or so, tried to keep going and then didn't feel like that was worth doing. So in September, I, I officially put in my papers and I also did a Facebook post that was a Q&A because I told five or six people and they all seemed to have the same questions. Mm. Right. So I figured, you know what, rather so than did like a fact of frequently. Asked I, yeah, questions. I did. And uh, <laughs> well, I, I originally started to write, you know, this this epic thing. Right. And mm, I. Yeah. I did the electronic version of crumbling it up and throwing, you know, Yeah. and um, I had learned from a couple friends of mine who left some years before, don't get into the details, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, but I did find that the few people that I had told kept asking the same, same questions. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to make an announcement and then I'm going to just answer all those questions. And um, I, and it, I think it went really well uh, as far as like, my extended family and um, you know, some of the boundaries that were put in place and, and people ha had a, a sense that I was making the right decision for me, even if they, it wouldn't have been the right decision for them. And then a month later was, was a general conference. Right. And as we've seen in pretty much every general conference since then uh, you know, there's been a few talks about, those who leave, you yeah. know, and, and kind of characterizing us in certain ways. And I realize, I realize now it's not for us. It's for the people there. Right. Yeah. You know, it's kind of creating a, a, a caricature. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you better stay. Right. And that yeah, was the, the that cautionary year, tales and all that sort of thing. Yeah. That year was elder Ballard's famous. Where will you go? Right. What will you do? What will you do? Where, Where will you, you go? go? What will you and, do? And uh, so that was, uh, and and as soon as I heard about that. We did a parody uh, song of that, actually. I remember. The yeah. decision to walk no more with the church members and the Lord's chosen leaders will have a long-term impact that cannot always be seen right now. If you choose to become inactive or to leave the restored church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where will you go? What will you do? Where will you go? Where will you go? Where will you go? Where will you go? At first I was afraid. I was petrified. Kept thinking where, oh where would I go without you for my guide? And I spent so many nights just praying fervently on my knees. On my froggy knees and I said please. Once someone up there answered me, I prayed to God. I prayed to God. In outer space, space. up there near Colab, 
With that white beard upon his face I should have seen it was a sham That you had no power or keys That your revelations were never, never revelatory So I had to go Walk out, out the door, the door. You got nothing to teach me anymore. Weren't you the one who taught me how to live like Christ? Do you think I'm stupid? As soon as I had heard that, you know, it's it stuck in my crow or whatever. Uh, I didn't watch conference. You know, when you leave those ten hours twice a year, you want them back, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but. Uh, but of course, you know, I read about it and, uh, and it just really bugged me, especially that my family and friends who I just had, I think, you know, I felt like a pretty good understanding of, of, you know, why I left now. Nope. Here's, here's this big guy and they're going to listen to him. They're not going to listen to me. And I understand that. Right. But it just hurt, you know? Uh, and I, I wrote the first verse of that song uh and i i think i posted it on reddit or something and it got i don't know 10 people said okay oh that's that's nice you know and that was that that was it for you know until about i don't know maybe a year later that you guys put the uh i'm trying to be like jesus you know the first uh one you used that i actually recorded Mm. you know music for so that was the initial thing and then um eventually i wrote the rest of it you know yeah that it it seems like that uh conference talk from ballard must have really um ripped you apart a little bit because there was this other song what was it um i'm looking in the do some good yeah do some good um which which i yeah, I don't know if I want to play that one right now or not, or if I want to wait for that one because that one was so tender. That that well, I might as well play it right now. It's more of an emo thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where will I go? You wanna know? Where will I go? Away. Where will I go? Well, I don't know. But you don't get to say. You could do some good with the name you have. You could really help the world. Turn a chapel into a shelter and you could really help the world. You always testify of what you feel Well, how about something real? If you can do some good, then do some good Do some good with the name you have are the sinners and we are unworthy we're too unclean to be seen in God's eyes 
our Father's eyes. But you, so revered, that we stand when you enter, have said and done wicked things mingled with Scripture. You've kept other races from your holy places, massacred the innocent and called it atonement, forced your dominion on your precious women, gave your protection to those who hurt children, poisoned the meekest with fear and with lies. And we can't criticize And you won't apologize Apologize You could do such good With the wealth you have You could really feed the world Turn a temple into a hospital You could really heal the world Testify of what you feel But how about something real? If you can do some good Then do some good Do some good Do some good With the name you have Where did they go? Where did they go? Away. So you say emo thing, like well. I just, I just hear, like when when I listen to that. First of all, you, you know who Norbert Leo Butts is? I don't. Okay, Norbert Leo Butts was the original Fiero in Wicked. Um, okay. I, I saw him on Broadway. Um, he he was the the Steve Martin character in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but the musical. I don't know if you've ever heard the musical of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It's really yeah. funny. I was alone and cold and damp. I tried to fly, but both my wings would cramp till you came along and lit the lamp. To guide me to my exit ramp Love is my legs and you are my love So you are my legs, my love Finally, But he's, he's got a beautiful voice. He was also in the movie Dan in Real Life. Um, he, he was in that. But your voice has a quality that sounds to me so much like Norbert Leo Butts. And it's beautiful, Eric. Like, like you've got a beautiful tone Thank you. to your Thank voice. You. And I really heard that in, in this one, that it just seemed like there was so much pain. And it also seemed like it was a response to Elder Ballard. Yeah. And well, I mean, the context of, of that song is that's the last song that I've put out under this uh <laughs> Uh, moniker or whatever. Actually, I, I even named it different. I said Weird Elma the Younger mm. to do some good because it's not a funny song. It's not a parody song. It's just an original song. And yeah, it was coming from a different place, but being, you know, critical as it is, um, uh, 
it, it felt right to, you know, use the Weird Alma title, so to speak. But um, that that is the last thing that I've released until the new one that I oh, which we'll hear at the end of today's <laughs> episode. Fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, I and that was really just um, a lot of things. And I think, you know, that was very cathartic for me. The, actually, all of Weird Alma was very cathartic for me. I, yeah. I didn't even realize this until much later. I did the interview with you guys, uh, Tom and Randy, and then with John DeLynn. And I remember kind of like not even understanding at that point what I was doing. But okay, I'm, I guess I'm doing this thing now, right? Yeah. And the ideas were coming. You know, I don't know. I think I, I did 25, 30 songs in a year or two or something, yeah. you know, and the thing with Jake. And and, um, and I remember towards the end of that realizing, oh, I, I needed to get this out. Yeah. Because a lot had to do with I hadn't talked to anybody about a lot of the specific stuff, you know, in my family or, or other people. I kind of, you know, all right, I'm just going to do my thing and. And I, and I, I realized at a certain point it had to come out. And for me, how's it going to come out? Well, music yeah, and probably some comedy and, you know, you know, so I found and this persona that, that made it palatable in a way, or made it, made it uh, entertaining or something. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can call these parody songs, but there's also quite a bit of satire. In, yeah, sure. You know, and just that, that whole kind of like facetious, sarcastic, uh, uh, approach of so I, I you, you probably know that I wrote a dissertation that I never finished and so I didn't get the PhD um, but the topic was Mormon humor and I, I studied these theories of humor and I, and it became fairly clear to me that one of the ways that people use humor is is a way to create some emotional distance between things and I, and so when, when I hear you tell me that it was really cathartic for you to do these songs, it just kind of like you're, you're looking at yourself, you're separating what you believe from what you don't believe, the things that you revere or that you used to revere to now you're, you're allowed to not revere them and you're allowed to ridicule them and actually say these things are ridiculous. Um, and you, you do that, you did, you've done it in a really stylistic, creative way that I, I'm sure has helped a lot of people uh, go through that process as well. Thank you. And I, and you mentioned that same thing in the, when you talked to Jake recently, and I, yeah. I, I was about to say that, that, that really struck a chord with me. Uh, yeah. And I said, yes, that that's exactly what it was for me. And then do some good coming at the end of all that was a way to kind of set aside the humor a little bit. Mm -hmm. and say all right you know what you know you have this name church of jesus christ and i'm not seeing that name used in the way that i ever thought of it you know yeah. and um you have such great potential i, I mean it, you know it gets I, very biting in the middle there the second uh yeah. verse or whatever but really it was kind of more encouraging than anything like and i still believe this you know you could do some good with the wealth you have you could yeah. really help the world i mean yeah good god you know 100 billion dollars yeah and 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 i'm it's not for me to tell them what to do I, and and i'm also past the point where i i feel as 
tied to to being concerned about that. Yeah. But you know, my friends and family are still in there. I love, and you know, I just I would like it to be. I would like it to be more like that yeah. name, Jesus Christ, you know? Well, and, would, and then hearing your story about your conversion and how the name Jesus Christ was really mm-hmm. what drew you to it in the first place. And that it was Jesus Christ in the latter days that, that makes a lot more sense to me as I'm hearing you say that, um, hearing that part yeah. in your song. Yep. All right. So, so let's go to one that's a little bit more flippant. Yeah. Uh, you're several months shy of 15. I'm the prophet Joe Smith, I beseech you forthwith To be my wife number 29 You're several months shy of 15 And you're dutiful, so be mine If you don't, I'll be floored by a big flaming sword Wielded by an angel divine You're several months shy of 15 And you're dutiful, so be mine You're my baby, practically. You're my boo. Since you were 11, I've been grooming you. I know you're devout, so you should have no doubt. But ooh, please don't let Emma find out. If you marry me, I'll exalt your family. I'll talk crap about you if you decline. You're several months shy of 15. You're dutiful, so be mine. You're several months shy of 15 You're dutiful, so be mine By the way, my darling girl, would you mind burning this recording after you listen to it? You see, we don't want... Excuse me, sir. Burning audio... Oh, that's right. Uh, Thank you, William. Uh, Darling, that's my secretary, William Clayton. Right, so uh, burning an audio file means to make a copy of it, and that's the opposite of what I want. So, tell you what, my dear... Burn the email that I sent you with that uh, record. So you can't burn email. You can't burn an email? Well, hell. Then you know what? My dearest Nancy. Sarah. Sarah! My dearest Sarah. I hate to ask you to do this, but how about you just destroy your whole computer? Destroy it like a printing press, that's what I say. That usually solves everything. Uh, sir, the cloud. Ah, the email will still be in the cloud. Well, you know. It doesn't matter anyway. Who's going to go poking around for that? Fawn Brody, Mormon Lee. <sighs> you know, some days I wish I had stuck with the treasure-seeking thing. Oh, that reminds me, William. Yes? For next week's schedule, let's set aside that Kinderhook translation for now. There's another writing project I'd like to start working on. I call it Illinois Smith and the Raiders of the Sinking Indian Treasures. That's brilliant, sir. Brilliant. Mm, yes, yes. Oh, and in other business, did I tell you what happened with those enemies of the church that visited Nauvoo last week? No, you didn't, but sir, we should probably stop the recording. What the hell did I do? Killed them all, of course. Oh, that's more than you should really say, sir. Well, I mean, I didn't kill them, but when you have Danites, might as well use them, right? (laughs) Talk about that one. Well, you know, as as uh, strictly from the art form of parody, I know you probably felt this every once in a while. You know, you're looking for these things that connect, right, yeah. to ideas, and every once in a while, you just hit on something really good. <laughs> you know, just and uh, it, although the funny thing about this is the song was already pretty creepy with Ringo Starr <laughs> yeah. singing it. <laughs> he, I believe Ringo was 37 at the time, talking about a 16 year old. Uh huh. But guess what? <laughs> I was able to find a way to make it even creepier. 
Yeah, but he was doing a cover of it, right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, maybe still a little, little creepy. Uh, but... Was it Bobby Darren? I don't remember the original. Yeah, that sounds right. Bobby I Darin. think he was also in his late twenties or something. Yeah. <laughs> no matter, it's just a creepy song. Let's yeah, put it that it was, way. But age was different back then. <laughs> oh, I think you covered that in the song. But I think uh, you know, and the things I looked for when I tried to do these Weird Alma songs, uh, and and believe me, there's there's a number of of failed attempts. You know, a songs sure, yeah. where there was a germ of an idea there. Oh wait, yeah. this could be no. Nah. But you're trying to find something that feels like the right fit for the idea that you're trying to get across, right? Oh, and that for was, sure. That was just one that uh, you know I, I was I was particularly happy about. Do, do you do you remember there there was one that I did where I put together like like I I didn't do a complete song of any of these songs. I I did it like a medley. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a medley. It was it was kind of like I was doing my pseudo Casey Kasem voice. And um, you know, like the, the disco or yeah. disco hits from the Mormon Church, <laughs> and the the last one in that line was "More Than a Woman" by the Bee Gees. Oh, right. And and just like I think you and I have that same kind of affinity towards like I want to take what it says, but just twist it a little bit so that yeah. it fits this other context. So. Yeah. You're, you're more than a woman, Joseph Smith singing to Fanny Al- Alger and saying more than just another woman to me <laughs> or something like that. That more uh, than just another one. Yes. Yeah. More than just another woman. To I'm going to do a quick shout out here. A lot of people over the last few years have emailed me and contacted me and, and, and sent me ideas and things. And, and a lot of them are, are great. Uh, I, I've, I don't think I've used any of them and usually, <laughs> usually, well, no, you, the, usually the reason is it's something I had already done. Mm. and or the theme i've already done and mm. and especially polygamy came up again and again yeah. and i always came back to that song you're several months shy of 15 like i i think i've said about what i want to say there right one person though did send i can't remember his name so if you're out there i would have liked to credit you but i can't remember he said an idea for the uh the turtles uh as sung by brigham young uh, uh, how does it go? Happy together. Uh, imagine, imagine me, me and you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. <laughs> Just going on. And Record on. skips. Yeah. yeah, like, uh, and I thought, okay, that was a, that was a really good idea. I, I <laughs> might have done that, but yeah. yeah, fun. All right, not like a real Egyptian. Of Abraham is a work of LDS scripture, don't you know? Translated by Prophet Joe. He got it from some old mummy scroll. He claimed that it was written by the very hand of that Abraham. But the experts say, oh hell no, the whole thing is just a lousy sham. Egyptologists say all of it's way off, way off, oh way, way off. Not like real Egyptian. Those mummy scrolls, they turned out to be just a funerary text. No Abraham, say it ain't so. It left many faithful saints perplexed. Joseph also tried to translate the pictures from off the scrolls he had. But the experts say, oh hell no. His translations all were really bad. How could he a prophet be when it's way off, way off, 
None of the characters on the papyrus fragments mention Abraham's name or any of the events recorded in the Book of Abraham. Mormon and non-Mormon Egyptologists agree that the characters on the fragments do not match the translation given in the Book of Abraham. Scholars have identified the papyrus fragments as parts of standard funerary texts that were deposited with mummified bodies. These fragments date to between the 3rd century BCE and the 1st century CE, long after Abraham lived. LDS.org Joseph also wrote his very own Egyptian grammar and alphabet. Once again, the experts say, hell no, it's about as wrong as you could get. Now the church admits things aren't right, but only barely acknowledges. And they must defend the prophet Joe, so they call on their apologists. They'll say that Joseph saw the pictures on the papyrus, and then he let the inspirations thought to flow. But that really strains credulity. It's all full of made-up bull, and it's way off, way off. I like that one, but I, I like that song too. It's a nice callback to the, that was the eighties, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I, as I've joked, um, you know, Bill Reel and, and uh, Radio yeah. Free Mormon, did a th- three hour, you know, book of Abraham, uh, episode. And I, and I sent, uh, Bill a message and I said, well, what you guys did in three hours, I did in three minutes. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and, and the book of Abraham, that was one of my big shelf breaking issues. Like, it, oh, yeah. like it was, it was almost like when, when I did the research and saw that the, you know, because I, I was one of those guys that I, I, when I was bored during sacrament meeting, I'd open up the the maps and I'd look at the yeah, maps or I'd, I'd yeah. open up the facsimiles in the book of Abraham and I'd look through those. And, and you know, because I, I liked the, the whole Dan Brown, Indiana Jones kind of mm-hmm. flavor of Mormonism, I'd be looking <laughs> at these ancient hieroglyphs that are in facsimile one, facsimile two, facsimile three. Right. And, and the ones that were like, must not be revealed to the world at this time. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to find out what that is. <laughs> so I was always so entranced by these facsimiles. And then when I saw that Egyptologists that can actually read what it, what it says, that's printed in the freaking scriptures, like, yeah, that's not what that says. Even though we've got these nice little footnotes <laughs> that say, this is habashish and whatever yeah. you know like these th- these these coptic jars underneath the table are these gods like no that's where they put the guts of the person that they were embalming or whatever you know it's just, like, <laughs> it's just not what he said it was that that that's when i f- really kind of gave myself permission to to doubt and be like oh, okay maybe there's something to all this doubt that i've been feeling mm. at this point so that was a you know the book of abraham was a really big thing for me too I think the the key for that to me also was realizing that, oh, guess what? People in America had no idea of Egyptian at the time. Yeah. What what do what do con artists take advantage of? Yeah. You know, information and and uh, you know. And 
uh, he was an expert at, at doing that and yeah. assimilating things from his environment and uh, and using them for his thing. You know, yeah. it's in a way is kind of brilliant, but um, not something I want to commit my life to. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> not no. anymore. Yeah. And, and and committing your life to either on the promoting it or kicking the shit out of it because you can only do that for so long too. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, I I think we had started talking about that a little bit with, um, you know, Jake. Uh, And and I've had similar feelings where it's like, I, I, I needed to do that. Like I said, I realized that at a certain point I needed to get this stuff out of me. And that's, that was a fun way to do it, I suppose. But also at this point, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah. I've, for one thing, I've done it. I've, I've covered a lot of the things, pretty much everything I think I felt I needed to cover. Yeah. Uh, although I don't want to, I don't want to ever rule it out. Sure. You know, and I'm not going to say I'm, I'm retired completely because you right. never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. What, Weird Alma could be resurrected. Well, speaking of things that you need to get out of yourself and having fun doing it, you wrote the song, Don't Beat It. See what I just did right there? Yeah. See what I did there? Good segue. (laughs) The bishop said, now that you're turning 12 years old, a deacon interview we will have to hold. So I said to myself, I'd better do what I've been told and don't beat it. Don't beat it. He could have asked about my spiritual state. How much compassion do I demonstrate? But mostly he just said you should never masturbate Don't beat it I know you want a real bad but don't beat it Don't beat it Pornographic smart don't read it Don't spank your monkey or polish your knob Let your little factory do its own job And don't beat it Don't beat it Don't beat it Don't beat it I told him I have tried as hard as I can To not give in to urges like some worldly man But it gets really hard, oh, so much harder When I don't beat it, I don't beat it He said, now trust me, I can truly understand But you'll be fine if you obey the Lord's command Just hold that iron rod in the palm of your hand And don't beat it I know you want a real bad, but don't beat it Don't beat it When it's getting hard, so beat it Don't free your willy or play the skin flute Go to sleep only in your Sunday suit And don't beat it Don't beat it Your sperm is sacred, don't deplete it Don't milk your lizard, don't charm your snake Take a cold shower and eat some cornflakes But don't beat it Don't beat it really got a handle on his instrument, huh? Look at his hand going up and down so fast. I wonder if he can pull it off at the end. Here it comes. Don't beat it. Don't beat it. If you get the urge, don't feed it. Don't pull your taffy, don't yank your crank 
Put temple pictures inside your spank bank and don't beat it. Don't beat it. Your body's holy, don't mistreat it. Don't grease your sausage or play solo sax. And let me know all about your private. Act. Yeah, uh, another one of my favorites. And, you know, there's not a lot to it. Like, this is, you know, it's not. Did you, did you look up all those euphemisms or they were they just off the yes. top of your head? Well, I mean, I knew probably half of them, but, yeah. uh, you know, there's some fun ones in there. I was glad to be able to work in the cornflakes and other things. What's the significance of the cornflakes? Oh, uh, Kellogg was a huge oh, that's right. anti-masturbator. Yeah. Well, but I thought that, I, like, wasn't there a, like a movie? Yes. With Matthew uh, Broderick and... Uh, uh, um, Anthony Hopkins, yes, as Kellogg. Yeah. And, and, they were and Bridget the Fonda. The intention was that cornflakes are so bland that they will not excite you in a way that makes your hormones uh, agitate. But, but, but what, what I remember about that movie is like <laughs> a, a a mutual masturbation scene uh, that like made me like really curiously uncomfortable when i watched that as a more i don't remember it i did watch it at, you know years ago i don't remember anything yeah because there, there was something about like like vibrators yeah, to promote like uh, a female orgasm or something but but saying that you shouldn't orgasm I, or, or masturbate i don't i don't remember what it was okay so that was that was the cornflake kellogg reference All right. yeah gotcha. yeah although my favorite part of that song is when i figured out what to do during the guitar solo I won't spoil it. If you're going to play it, I'll just, you know, you can hear it, but you know, it's one of those things like you're doing a parody song. Okay. It's easy enough to cut out intros or cut them down. You don't, yeah. you don't want too much like extra space here. Well, here's this like very iconic guitar solo, right? Yeah. Eddie Van Halen. And, uh, but am I just going to, you know, play it and hear it? I don't know, but I've, I've found, found a, a, a resource of humor yeah. in there. Yeah. All right. Okay, so uh, I think we've got one more song on here before we go to your new one, and that's uh, from from uh, the Grease soundtrack. Instead mm -hmm. of Grease Lightning, Gas Lighting. Yes, <laughs> which yes. I thought was pretty good. The Mormon Church is so dogmatic. It's really problematic. It can feel so traumatic. When they're gaslighting, gaslighting, they'll make you question everything about your own sanity. Oh yeah. When you question, they make you question. If something seems wrong, that's just the way it's supposed to be. Oh yeah. It's your problem, not the church's problem. If you point out something's bad, then they'll say you must be mad. They'll attack your real intent while dismissing what you meant. It's gaslighting. Oh, well, it's so gaslighting with the things the prophet Joe would do. No, Searsome, he didn't use a Searsome. But then oh. they change the narrative and tell you that they always knew. He used a of course he used a Searsome. It's always been Orwellian. Uh -huh. uh -huh. It's gaslighting. Howlin' said the missionary force would grow as God directed, oh yeah. But when it shrank, they had to say that was exactly as expected, oh yeah. You thought two plus two was four, might not be that anymore. Cause when you start reproving, those goalposts start a moving gaslighting. 
I am Elder Stephen L. Stickenbottom, and I welcome you to this brand new exhibit at the Church History Museum entitled Transparency Through the Ages. As you may know, our church has always been open and honest about our history, and so we Excuse wanted to... Excuse me. Yes? I know the tour is just beginning, but I already want to bang my head against a wall. Oh, sure. Well, please use the wall to your left. Okay. We seem to get this a lot. You can see the impression of Bill Reel's head over there. Okay, now, moving on. Our first stop is to show you all of the several different accounts of Joseph Smith's first vision. As you can plainly see through the foggy glass display case on the miniature printed copies, there are no important differences between any of these accounts. It looks like this 1832 diary page was torn out and taped back in. Oh no, you must be imagining that. It has normal wear and, um, tear for a document of its age. Now over here, we have the Book of Abraham. I heard that has some problems with its translation. I'm afraid you heard wrong. See, it never was a translation. But it says right here, translated from the papyrus. By no, the you see, that's not what translation means in this case. It means that Joseph was inspired by a document that had no connection whatsoever with Abraham to write a book that claims that Abraham himself wrote the book. It's rather obvious, really. Oh, and when Joseph translated the Book of Abraham, he may have used this beautiful seer stone, which we are proud to display here. Wait, didn't Joseph Fielding Smith insist that seer stones were never used? No, you're taking that out of context. You know, you want to be careful about playing whack-a-mole with church history issues. Now, if you'll come this way, you can see a diorama depicting Joseph Smith surrounded by over 30 of his beloved wives. Of course, we understand and accept that he practiced polygamy and polyandry, as expected. Some of his wives look really young. Some were as young as, um, several months shy of 15. But as I'm sure you're aware, several months shy of 15 was in the extreme outlier range for what was the customary age for marriage at the time. We were never taught any of this stuff at church. Well, if you didn't know, then it's your own fault, because many egg-headed church historians and scholars have known about these things for years. You're just not well-read enough, apparently. Hey, you want to go back to that wall again? Yeah, let's go. Ow, 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 it was so gaslighting when the gospel topic essays were done. We used to say this stuff was anti-Mormon. Now it's so gaslighting when they're redefining translation. When it says translate, it doesn't mean translate. The things they twist, uh -huh. she'll make you piss. Uh -huh. It's gaslighting. And that got a long, um, in in the what, what do you call it? Uh, in the middle, not a guitar well, solo, but th did you extend yeah. that so that you could talk more? That was another thing too. Is is um, you know a lot of times when I do these songs, um, if there was some kind of guitar solo or some kind of instrumental break, well, can I do something? Can I throw something in there? Yeah. And this song in particular, I I liked the idea of it. I liked the the way that the, the ideas connected to the theme and, and the, the, but there wasn't humor, mm. right? It, other than that middle section, it's not really funny per se, or there's not really jokes. I don't know. I thought, it, I mean, yeah. there, there might not be okay. like punchline joke kind of thing, but it, okay. it, it, it tickled my funny bone with how spot on some of these like denial of okay. you know, like, like, like the whole gaslighting thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's clever to to do gas lighting out of ga grease lightning, yeah. as it is. But yeah, I I thought it was pretty funny. 
like so that. that was just an idea of how can I sort of describe it, describe gaslighting, uh, you know, and, and just the character of a church historian yeah. official and a little tour through the church history department. You know, I thought. Yeah. I <laughs> All right. That's, that's me having fun. Yeah. And sharing and sharing that fun with the rest of us. Cool. So, so you've got, so you've got uh, another one that you're going to perform live here. So tell tell me a little bit, set this one up. I'm going to attempt to perform it live. Yeah. This, this could be disastrous. Could be, but, but it's not uh, really live. <laughs> for when yeah, people are that, hearing if it. If it's that bad, I'll tell you, please don't, <laughs> don't use it. Yeah. I don't know. Can you hear the guitar? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> So uh, this was something I started to write this two years ago, right after the reversal of the 2015 policy. Okay. Right. Uh, because it struck a nerve again. You know, it's one of those things, even by that point, I think, uh, I think I'd already put, do some good out. I wasn't really super inclined to do any more weird Alma stuff per se, but then they reversed the policy, which is great, except, hit that nerve of the way they did it and what they said around it. Yeah. You know, we're in, we, this is a, we, this is a, an act of love that we're reversing this. Well, they, that's what they said about when they made the policy in the first place. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. was a revelation, you know uh, I remember that bothering me really badly when Nelson gave that uh, talk in Hawaii, I was watching it live uh, with my daughter and my mother-in-law and just, boy, when he said that that was a revelation, I had this, this feeling, you know, uh, I, I guess you would call it the spirit or the opposite of that, you know, something mm. just, man, I, uh, how, hmm. anyway, so the reversal uh, and, and some of the language they, they used around that inspired me to write most of this. And uh, I, I, I had music in mind, but I, I never finished it at the time. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try to finish it last night. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, so I, at some point I'll probably record it and, you know, it might be a little different. We'll see. All right, here we go. People claim the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is hateful and hurtful. But that's not really true. With every revelation, we have higher thoughts in mind. And this defines the point of all we do. We hate with love. <laughs> when we considered all the children of the couples who are gay, and we made a policy on that 2015 day. We made it with love. We excluded with love. Then because of things that seers and prophets could not have foreseen, we reversed that policy in May of 2019. We reversed it with love. We reversed it with love. 
Love, love, straight from the Lord above. When we hate, we hate with love. When our leaders took those teenage girls in the springtime of their lives and convinced them to become among the dozens of their wives, they took them with love. Ouch. They coerced them with love. Oh yeah, this is kind of dark. When we saw our colored brothers who didn't keep their first estate and denied them of the priesthood until 1978, we denied them with love. We were racist with love. Love, love, straight from the Lord above. When we hate, we hate with love. In the 90s, intellectuals, we excommunicated them with love. At BYU, the homosexuals, we electrocuticated them with love and kept on telling them for decades that they were broken, unworthy, and vile. Better dead than gay is what we would say. So when they would strive to take their own lives, we knew they had heard every loving word we had told them with a smile. We love you. When we went to Mountain Meadows, we asked, what would Jesus do? So we murdered 120 while their wagons were passing through and we killed them with love. We slaughtered with love. Love, love, straight from the Lord above. When we hate, oh, we hate with love. I will always love you. Can you feel the love tonight? All you need is love, love. Love is all you need. Yay. We got a little... A little Moulin Rouge elephant love song medley at the end of that one. Nice. So, so you've had that one sitting around for two years. Yeah, most of it. I, I added the bridge yesterday. I added, you know, a couple of chords, changed a few words, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, that's been yeah. sitting in the in the in the vault. So that's you, right. So I, I I went into the the my vault in, <laughs> in the outskirts of Utah. Yeah. So what, what do you, what, how do you feel now? Like when you read something like, or, or sing something like that or write something like that and just that so, juxtaposition between the things that they're doing and the things that they say, like, you know, I, I, I can honestly say that compared to, you know, a year or two ago, I, I feel like uh, um, I'm, I'm much more of a uh, 
past a lot of that, right? Uh, I think a lot of people get us to that point. You know, we're we're in the church and we're in the church and then we're out of the church. You know, mm -hmm. there's these two things. And and now I've, I'm I'm just a human. I'm just an, I'm just Eric. You know, mm -hmm. and doing other things mostly. Uh, but obviously, I still have some connections. I still see things on Facebook and and you know I it is these kinds of things that still get to me, mm. right? It's not even, uh, it's not, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy for people I, I know and love to be in the church and they, you know, they find the value in that. I, I'm not, uh, have no intention to dissuade them of that. Uh, I, I, the furthest I'll go with that is to say, you know, I wish people would think, okay, do you know about this, 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 and this, and you still want to stay? Okay. All right. If you don't, well, maybe you should know about this, 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 this. Like that's as far as that goes with me, with with members and people. But the organization, yes, you know, when cer certain things about the organization and the messaging coming from there, still, you know, yeah, will will kind of bite a little bit, and I'll and I and I'll bite back. Yeah, so. I I wrote a song back in probably two thousand nine that I, I don't, rem I mean, I probably could play it on the guitar and sing it, but I haven't done that for so long. And I've got, I've got a version of it that's kind of cheesy and I've always been really embarrassed of it, but I think I'm going to attach it here. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to put it on here in honor of you, Eric, for me sharing, Great. sharing, and it's called Not Worthy. You feel so pious in that shirt and tie, but no wrinkle free slacks can hide your Well 
That song for me came about because I was having this imaginary conversation in my head with my dad and this imaginary conversation to kind of take us back to <laughs> what we were first talking about with thoughts in our minds. Mm -hmm. You know, here I'm creating this conflict for myself because I'm imagining that my dad's telling me that I'm not worthy. And sure, that maybe was based on things that he might actually say, but he never really actually did. I was just having this conversation and I and it was pissing me off. I got to say, going back to your book again, uh, a couple of things. I don't know if if you if you listen to the song "Magic Beans" that I had sent you. No, when did you send that to me? Oh, I, I emailed it a week or so ago, and I said, "Boy, as I'm reading the first couple chapters of this book, this this song, which is the title track of my next album, my my kids' album, I, I'm boy, it's some of the same concepts, at least in my mind, the way I'm." Just you know, it, it's kind of abstractish, existential a little bit. Once upon a time, there were magic beans thrown away onto the dusty ground. Soon a beanstalk was growing all around. From those magic beans, the magic beans made everything all at once it was and then it was came to be maybe just because because they're magic beans magic beans made you Everything you've ever done and seen Came from just a tiny magic bean And now you're a magic bean We are made from magic beans The DNA is in our genes With ups and downs and in-betweens What do you believe it all A 
story and we write it every minute Once upon a time we were in it Once upon a time I tell you it's it's really striking to me to me at least like reading your book and some of the ideas in there and realizing that I I was in the same headspace and this is how I this is how it came out of me right yeah. Just the idea that, you know, you know, cells or, or atoms or we're, we're all part, these are all parts of life that we became us, you know, we're just a collection yeah. of all those, you know, like you talk about in the book, you know, yeah. and, and in a sense, we are just a cell of ourselves, our whole being, our whole, um, I, I don't know. So, but, but yeah, listen to that. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited because I'm having a, a VR music video made for that song and I can't oh, wait. Cool. It's going to be like really cool, I think, but uh, nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know any, anything else. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it, it made, when I was reading your book and I thought of that song, it just made me think that I've been in a similar headspace as you for the last yeah. year or two. And, and this is how it came out for me in music. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. And another song that I did um, around the same time as, as not worthy. I think I wrote this one like a, a year earlier, but I called it make believe. You feel so far away. It's like I never knew. And when I called your name, where were you? It seems like such a long, long time and since I had you here with me When you're so far away It's like I never knew But if I make believe I can see How can I know you're really here with me Till I see you When I see you And since you went away I'm standing here alone I just make believe You might be here with me It feels like I'm just fooling myself I can't think of anything else Till I feel you When I feel you
interrupt you here because the you know where i was reading or just telling you the words of that song yeah the very next part that i didn't get to uh-huh close your eyes and see make believe make believe mm. yeah that, so so yeah I, I had this song make believe in it and it was it was like an uh my when when i when i read richard dawkins god delusion and i'm like oh my gosh i'm a six just like yeah. he is a de facto atheist and i and i was thinking about like times where i was just in this bad marriage and I, like there there was a there was a song where can i turn for peace that just was always haunting me haunting me because i'm like okay mm. now i don't have anywhere to turn for peace because i don't even mm. believe in god anymore and it, it feels like right, right. any like i still have this drive to pray to a God for comfort, but I don't believe in it anymore. And I just was so distraught. And, and so I wrote this song that was kind of like to God, like you mm -hmm. seem so far away. It's like, I never knew, but mm -hmm. if I make believe I can feel you, but if you're only in my dreams, how do I know you're really here with me? till I oh, see you, nice. you know, it's, it's stuff like that. So maybe I'll play that one. Well, the value of belief is, you know, is still, I, there's still some value. Like your thought, like you say in the book, uh, uh, your thoughts shape your life. Yeah. You know? and, and like we talked about earlier, right? Yeah. Uh, well, thank, thanks for jumping on, Eric. It's been a nice conversation. Is there anything that you want to say to, to wrap it up? Yeah, I just want to say a big, big thank you to everybody over the last few years who's, uh, you know, downloaded the songs or sent me messages or, you know, uh, said many, many kind things um, uh, about the songs. And I'm, I'm really glad that people have enjoyed them and there's been some value. Uh, it was great value for me to create them. And, uh, and where's the best uh, way for people to reach you these days? Well, I still have weirdalma.com which redirects to Bandcamp, uh, weirdalma.bandcamp.com. And everything is completely free to listen to and I believe download. Mostly we're uh, finishing this album, working on new videos, and we're going to do a, a theater type show. Uh, where are you again? Are you in I'm Utah? I'm in Arizona. Ah, Arizona. I'm not sure if we, we're planning to, we're in the Northwest, so we're going to hit Seattle and Portland and probably get as far as like salt lake uh but probably not arizona yeah. but uh and it's going to be more of a kind of a full theater stage show type uh concert event really i'm really excited about it so cool. we're spending a lot of time this year working on that uh eric herman just look up eric herman on google or youtube 
and there's videos and you know songs and stuff you can check out so magic cool. beans is the album coming later this year and i'm really really excited about that well thanks again eric it's good to talk to you yeah you too man. put down the weapons that you use against yourself you don't need them anymore hey there thanks for listening all the way to the end now i really hope that you enjoyed today's episode I have more to say about this topic, and I'm going to do that with a follow-up behind-the-scenes sharing time episode on Patreon. So, if you're in a position where you can throw me a few dollars each month to support the work that I put into creating this podcast, please come and support me on Patreon, where you'll also get access to additional content. Did you know that I also create sharing time episodes that are available only to Patreon subscribers? I've been doing that for a few years, so there's a lot of content there that you can have access to. So please come and support this podcast if you can. I greatly appreciate it. Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down arms like